Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Not any matchups to look forward to tonight for our uh, Chicago Cubs. They get a day off. St. Louis Cardinals up next. White Sox lose their back to 500. Sports talk and more. Welcome, everybody. Two guys at a mic show. TalkZone.com. The big dog is off today. Sam the Great Babitsky in the house. Ready to start school next week, uh, but uh, waking up early, coming in and doing the show. TalkZone.com. Two guys at a mic. And, of course, our producer on the other side of the window, Payne. Or sometimes, Sam, we like to call him the pain on the other side of the window, Mr. David Olson, who plays some of the top music that this station has to offer. I've heard that song before, David. I don't know. It's sounding familiar. <laughs> All right, Sam, uh, great to have you in the It's been a while. It's been a while since we've had the great Babitsky. Have you been in? I'm trying to remember. Last time. I think it was last, last summer. Last summer? Last summer. Is in a year ago? That's embarrassing. Well, thanks for having me, Coach. I mean, I, I feel embarrassed. Our staff should have contacted you well before that. It's, it's uh, a year? For the great Babitsky? That's a shame. I haven't been off my game, though. You shouldn't worry too yeah. much. Yeah. Now, you, we should mention, uh, start of the school year here, a uh, high school student, Glenbrook South uh, High School, home of the Fighting Titans. you got your own radio show. We'll promote that a little bit. But uh, Saturdays at 11 o'clock, what station? Once Saturdays again? at 11 o'clock. Uh, station is 88.5 FM. Beautiful. Um, we do that every Saturday, 11 o'clock, along with some, some of my friends of mine, Ben, Jason, Beautiful. We got listeners, you know, via the internet out in the California area, the New Jersey area, out in Boston. We're big for some reason down in Mississippi. We haven't hit the Louisiana market yet. Where could they hear that show in uh, Mississippi and New Jersey at California? That would be on the World Wide Web at gbsradio.com. <laughs> oh, you got a little, a little linkage? Where, I do. Are the shows archived like that? Or they are, are archived, really? yes. Yes. I didn't know that. They are archived, so you can uh, hear me when. Uh, I did not know that. Right when the, my voice wasn't as I thought you had now. to either hear it live or uh, you know is it live or is it Memorex? So I because my son's been on that show before. Yeah, and oftentimes I miss it, so I could check out some of the old shows. I mean, yeah, theoretically you can. Interesting, you learn something every day. Uh, what are we learning in the world of sports here, Sam? We have not talked to you, God forbid, in an entire year. I know from talking to you last time, you are an avid Chicago Cub fan. To say the Cubs are not exactly relevant right now would be putting it nice, but uh, we're still rooting for them. They actually played some pretty good baseball, but we have hit a bit of a um, little bit of a bump in the road against Houston. What have we got? Two losses in a row. Two losses in a row against Houston, but um, after prior to that, four straight series wins. Last one coming off an impressive Atlanta team. Mm-hmm. Now there's two different philosophical, and it's almost like politics, where these two different philosophies are getting more and more separated and becoming more and more um, conflictual with each other. And I'm making this kind of weird comparison to philosophy on teams that are out of it. In this case, we're talking our, here in the city of Chicago, our Chicago Cubs. Are you one that uh, does get a little bit excited? Hey, I know we can't win the pennant, can't win the division, but we're playing good baseball. Let's enjoy the victories. Team's playing better. Or are you one of those guys, and there's more and more of them, I liken them to the Republican Party and the conservatives. Who cares if we're winning? It's actually negative. 
that we're winning because it's going to make the management feel like, you know, we've got a better team. They won't make changes next year. You know what I mean by the two different I do. philosophies. Um, for me Where personally, I think, I think winning is hopefully going to carry over into next year. Obviously, that's not, that's not, that's not predictable at this point, but. Uh, last season we saw under Mike Quaddy they played better towards the end of the season after Old Lou decided to call it quits and head off to his timeshare in Tampa. But um, <laughs> I would hope that this would carry over. Obviously they've been playing good baseball up until about a few days ago. We'll see if that can pick back up. But they've had a, they have too many inside the team issues starting with Carlos Zambrano. Mm-hmm. But I'm still not sure. Are you yes, David? Oh, no, no, I was just going to kind of follow up on what he was saying. I don't know how thoroughly you read today's Chicago Tribune, but uh, Phil Rogers has an interesting theory in the direction that they're going to be taking the Cubs. Yes. You know, rebuilding from the ground up instead of going for the big names. Which is fine, and, and his theory is based on the fact, uh, the great Pavitsk, based on the fact that they signed every one of their draft choices. Put $12 million, I think that was the figure, into their uh, draft choices. Now, he, he may be taking a quantum leap, but he's saying that's an indication. I would say so as well. I mean, yeah. you look around the MLB and you see that the Cubs do have one of the best farm systems in the league. They do? Um, they do. Believe it or not. Not uh, sure I believe it, but go ahead. Regardless of the case, it starts with the farm system, starts with the young guys. We have a combination of washed-up players and Soriano, I would consider. Ramos Ramirez is on his way down. Zambrano, obviously. But then you have guys, new guys. Tony Campana is one of my favorite players I've ever seen play in a Cubs uniform. Whoosh. The roadrunner. But we have a bunch of young guys that I think if you start building from the ground up, you'll be successful. Not right away. Give it the next couple of years. Yeah, I've always been of that uh, philosophy. I think uh, two good teams that are great examples of it, Sam, that have done it. What hopefully the Cubs are going to start to do, and the two I can think of are the St. Louis Cardinals and the Minnesota Twins. I mean, they spend. It's not like they never pick up a free agent, but they always bring up young players. They seem to teach their players the proper way to play baseball. In the minor leagues, they come up. They got two great managers in Minnesota. Had what Tom Kelly and now Ron Gardenhire, Tony LaRue. But they play baseball the way it's supposed to be played. They find ways to win. Maybe not tons of World Series, but they're winning teams. I would agree with that, but I think it all starts kind of with the managers, as you said. Tony LaRue is legendary. Obviously, Ron Gardenhire as well. Mm-hmm. Mike Quaddy, he's a, he's he's a good coach. I would say that. I would say he's not championship caliber. Mm-hmm. I would say when Lou Pinella decided to call it quits, we should have gone out and gotten Ryan Sandberg or Joe Girardi. Those are winning coaches. Okay. I mean, I like Mike Quade. I'm fully in support of him. When I listen to him talk, when I watch him communicate with the players, and again, I'm not there on a regular basis, so I can't say. Let me throw out the phone number first as we talk a little baseball to open up the show. You want to join uh, said conversation? You can do so free of charge today. We're not charging the $10 per call, David Olson, as we usually do. Because the big dog, you know, he he has a big contract, so we have to charge listeners. Just kidding, but uh, now that the Babitsky's here, it's free of charge. Call in today, today only. Eight is Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Eight 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 four six three sixty seven forty eight. The phone number triple eight four six three six seven four eight. Feel free to call in. We'll get you right out. One of our mottos here, uh, Sam, is you don't have to be nervous about calling in. Uh, don't be afraid of what you're saying. Not that many people are listening. I would agree with that. So take it easy. Now I know why it's been a year since he's back, and so it's all starting to come back now. But um, now I forgot what the hell I was talking about. We were talking about the young player. Oh, Mike Quaddick. Right. You know, when I, when I listen to him talk, when I watch him deal with the players, I like him better than any manager we've had for the Cubs since Jim Riggleman. I think the guy can be a championship manager, taking a lot of flack now. Most people have the philosophy that, yeah, Quaddick is, you know, the, we overreached for him, and he's, you know, not a championship man. I like the guy. 
I think he's really, really good. I like how personable he is with the players, Very. most importantly, especially with the media. I don't know if I've said it in a couple of press conferences with him, but yeah. he's very personal when somebody asks him a question. He looks directly at their eyes, yes. talks and genuinely, smooth talker, knows what he's talking about. When, he, when they lose, he's not going to blow his lid. Yeah. Stays composed. Mm-hmm. I think that's, he brings a lot into the locker room. But You watch him coach the players? I mean, one thing I've noticed about Mike Quade, you know, at the professional level, uh, Lovey Smith's a great example of this. You never see the head coach, like, coaching. Mike Quade is one of the few managers I've seen, like, in the dugout, when he goes to the pitcher's mound or, you know, for a little talk. He's actually teaching. He's actually coaching. I, I, I like that. Maybe I'm overrating it, but I like that aspect of it. I do. I just don't think that he has, he has enough firepower to lead this team. That doesn't command Lou respect. Lou had firepower. Yeah, he had that. Yeah, and that aura and charisma about him. I would say the same thing about Lovey Smith, like you said. No firepower from him either. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let me ask you this. If the Cubs uh, go on another streak, win 10 out of 12 games, will you? Sam Babitsky, semi-respected senior at Glenbrook South High School, will you shave the head and go Mike Quade walking around the halls of GBS if they win 12 in a row? Mike Quade actually has a skin condition in which he can't grow hair. Really? Right, really. I did not know that. Same with Charlie Villanueva of the Milwaukee Bucks. Okay, well then in honor of uh, who? Charlie? Oh, oh, Villanueva. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that either. He's got a heck of a skull, Charles Villanueva. A couple of dents on the backside, but for the most part, a nice bald look. All right, then in honor of Mike Quade's uh, condition. 12 in a row is too much. If the Cubs win 10 in a row, are you willing to say over the airwaves right now, you will shave head and go Mike Quade as a senior at GBS? Give me 15 in a row and I'll do it. <laughs> I have a reputation coach. The school year hasn't even started yeah, yet. Yeah, that's part of the problem. Tough 15 in a row. Okay, then I think you're safe. You can probably put the razor away. All right, so we disagree a little bit on Quade, but the original question I asked you, I'm not sure if I got a full response as far as the Cubs when they do go on a little bit of a winning streak here at the end. You you get into it and you're... I would get into okay. it. I've been into it yeah. when they won, when they started with the sweep in Houston yeah. three weeks ago. Isn't it amazing though? A lot of people, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the media, a lot of the experts. I mean, what's not to get excited about? Well, the team is finally playing good baseball. Yes, we're in August, but they're finally playing good yeah, baseball. I agree, and you, I, but a lot of people don't. That you know, what, what do you get excited about? What do you, you know? Every to me, every game's a battle. You know, you win that particular game. I mean, you're not jumping up and down and shouting and you know putting rings on your fingers. You haven't won the World Series, but you won the game. Sports, you can get excited about that. But there's a lot of people out there, more and more, Sam. And, again, I'm going to use that comparison of the divide between the Democrats and the Republicans in our po- political uh, world that we have today. It's getting more and more divided and more and more uh, cantankerous. There's a lot of people out there, a lot that, um, ah, terrible that the Cubs are going on a win, even though they're Cubs fans. All that's going to do is, you know, mess us up for next year. They're going to keep the veterans around. Ah, they're winning now. Who cares? There's a lot of that attitude. From what I've talked to, guys like Jim Henry and Tom Ricketts, they they don't plan on keeping the old guys around. Not much longer, at least. Mm-hmm. They love what the young guys have been doing. Uh, we saw a glimpse of Lou Montanez this season in the yeah, outfield. Yeah, we got to bring him back. We have to bring him back. Tony Campanas, I think, is going to be a star off right fielder for this team for a very long star? time. Star? Okay. I, I like him on the team, but I, I don't... I like him coming in off the bench, a little, you know, fifth outfielder. I like how he compliments guys like Marlon Bird yep. and Giovanni Soto, who are considered to be power hitters. You know, Tony Campana is, I would, I would say, the fastest player in the MLB. Can you agree with that? Wow. I, I think the best expression uh, was, I think it was Bob Brenly, who watched him seal second to third, and he goes, boy, he makes those 90 feet between bases 
look awful short. Yeah, he's one of the quickest I've ever seen. Did you see his in, inside the park home run? I saw the replay. I didn't see it live, but yeah. He was rounding third by the time they got the ball into the infield. <laughs> yeah, he, he's about as quick as I've ever seen in Major League Baseball. I mean, he can get it and go. we got to call him the roadrunner. I'm still not ready to say he's a star in the making, but your your thesis was that we need to start playing the young players, and we got some good young ones. We do. Darwin Barney as well. Love Darwin Barney. Leads on all rookies and hits. Starlin well, Castro. Starlin Castro, I like him. I like his offense. His defense is putrid. It's coming around. It's coming around. He makes the plays that people won't expect him to, but yes. the easy ones. That is a problem. That's definitely and you, and you have to say, Carlos Pena is a very good first baseman defensively. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. I would have no problem if they brought back Carlos Pena. I kind of like his attitude. I like his game. Too many strikeouts, but overall, I've enjoyed the Carlos Pena experience. If they had a bunch of young players and brought back just Carlos Pena, I would not mind that at all. And you're right about Starlin Castro is that dumb. You don't want, when a ground ball is hit to shortstop, when you're watching Major League Baseball, you don't want the sense of adventure. The I'm will here won't do. You want that sense of comfort. Well, what about uh, a kid that I liked when they brought him up? I thought he had decent potential. Was DJ LeMayu? The who? (laughs) It was a. It was about two weeks. DJ LeMayu. I've heard the name. Okay. Outfielder, correct? No, I played infield. Infield. Yeah. When Darwin Barney had that two-week injury, or he was on the DL, they brought him up. Kid out of uh, LSU, which is sort of like the Chicago Cub farm system, but we'll see. We'll see. Cubs got some good. Oh, and the other guy we haven't mentioned is Tyler Colvin. I like him a lot. Tyler Colvin, I liked him a lot last season. He struggled this season incredibly. But a guy who takes a lot of his time up is Reed Johnson, who I like a lot. I love Reed Johnson. Reed Johnson was on the 0809 team. He was gone for a year, then went to Philadelphia. He's back now, and I like him more than ever. Another guy you want around, not as a starter, but as your fifth outfielder. So right now we got two guys I love as our fifth. You can't have two fifth outfielders. But Reed Johnson and Tony Campana as backups, not everyday players. I think they can be part of a winning, if not championship team. But to keep who are they backing up? Would you? Well, right now right. or in the future? In the future. Well, in the future, you know. Unfortunately, we're stuck with Alfonso for a while. But you know, to me, you put I Tyler. I mean, Alfonso's in left, but right now in right, we got yeah, Campana, well, Reed Johnson. To me, you put Tyler Colvin out there. I know his batting average is not good right now, but to me, he's he batting 190, 188. Less. Less, than that. less, but he hits for some power. He hit last year, and I just like there's something. He passes the, the field test, the body language test, the eye test. He just looks like a ball player. I know the stats don't say it yet, although last year was pretty good. Last year was good. But I just, I just think this kid, you just got to play him. Let him work through the pains and, and just and just play him. I think he's going to be a good ball player. At any rate, great Pavitsky in the house with the coach today up until 11 o'clock. Phone lines are open, 888 888- Four six three sixty seven forty eight. We'll talk some football coming up in a little bit. On the other side of town, Sam, I know you don't root for him quite as vociferously. Quite as vociferously? Is that the word I'm looking for? Thank you very much. The Chicago White Sox uh, lose yesterday. They're back down to 500. They've been toying with getting back into it. Three and a half behind Detroit. You followed the White Sox a little bit. I have, and honestly, Coach, I, I don't see a reason to get excited. I mean, you look at the Cubs... I get excited because they put it together 10 out of 12. The White Sox have been up and down all season. Um, pitching has been satisfactory, I would say, aside from Phil Humber, who, you right there, Coach? Yeah, got a sagging microphone. Um, Adam Dunn, I think, has been the biggest disappointment of the season. A little bit. A lot of bit. Understatement of the year. 
that was a bad pickup this offseason, I would say. Mm-hmm. But then you see Williams as the general manager go out and say that he was going to do it all over again if he could. Would you do that again? Pick up Adam Dunn, a washed-up 40-year-old who's on the verge of obesity? Yeah, I mean, who knows? He could come back next year and be a star. Who knows? But if you're asking me would I do it all over again if I had to make the choice right now, one of the easiest questions I've had in my 10 years on radio, no. <laughs> I mean, if, if you know, hindsight is everything. Most people, when the Sox picked him up, thought it was a good pickup. Well, I mean, most people did because they still thought he had something left in the tank. I think this season proved us. Yeah. Just like All everybody right. criticizes Alfonso Soriano, the Kosuke Fukudome, the Carlos Zambrano. At the time, everybody thought when, when they brought Alfonso Soriano here, Jim Henry, great move. Tribune Company finally spending some money. The problem was it was a long-term contract. That's right. Those are the ones you got to stay away from in all pro sports. I would agree with that statement. Yeah. I would say four years would be a maximum for any player. Max. Max. But the White Sox lose yesterday 4-1. to one. They finally got over the 500 spot. It was uh, Mark Burley. We talked about this with the big dog on like Monday or Tuesday. And, uh, you know, Burley, 18 consecutive games, three runs or less. Pitching great baseball. Fausto Carmona struggling for Cleveland. I think his record was five and thirteen, five twenty nine ERA. You know, and Big Dog goes. That's a you know. We were checking out the whole matchups Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Well, that's an automatic win for the White Sox. That should be an easy one. And I made the comment. You know what? Since it's so automatic, watch Cleveland will win the game. They did indeed. Fausto Carmona. I don't know if you know or watched or not. Uh, Sam, outstanding. Fausto Carmona got some good stuff. He was good two years ago. He's been slowly in the decline since yes. then, but I still believe he is. I still believe he has great baseball left. Yeah, in that him. was a big game for Cleveland, too, because they're uh, still trying to hang in the race. The Detroit Tigers lost, so the White Sox and Cleveland, or White Sox didn't lose any ground. Cleveland gained a game on them. Minnesota knocked them off 6-5. to five. By the way, Jim Tomek, 6-0-1. I, I mean, Coach, I have to ask you a question here. This is kind of a debate I've had with some of my friends. Is it, is it easier than the would you do the Adam Dunn all over it again? Is, no, I would, I would not say it's easier. Oh, no. Okay, okay. Derek Jeter hit his 3,000th hit, excuse yes. me. Became the 22nd player ever to do so. Jim Tomei hit his 600th. About eight players to do so, I believe. Yep. Which one is more impressive to you? Now that, you've hit both ends of the spectrum. The Adam Dunn question, pretty easy. That's a great question. 3,000 hits or 600 homers. I wouldn't necessarily say which one is harder to do. Which one are you more more impressed in? That's a great question. 600 homers, 3,000 hits. And I know longevity is a part of it. Derek Jeter's played a long time, but uh, in a most tough people call, most people would say that since only eight players have done 600 home runs, that's a little I bit more impressive. But I think that's the way I'd probably go. But try to comprehend 3,000 hits. It's a lot of hits. A, a great, lot of bases. A great season for a major league player is how many hits? 150 hits. That's a little too much, I'd say. Too much. Between one. I would say 140 would be the max okay. for a Well, great you know, season. you're in school right now. You're probably in one of those honors math classes. I am not. I'm not going to attempt to do 140, 150 hits into 3,000, but I can tell you it's an awful lot. I can tell you that too, Coach. That's a lot of years. So, you know, both of them, it's a great question. Which is more impressive? Which is harder to do? But, uh, boy, 600 homers? I mean, that's pretty impressive too. Both of them great. And both of them pretty classy ball players. Great. Great examples of. I mean, uh, I would say Jim Tomey more so than Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter has had, he's had some off the off the off the field issues. Derek Jeter. Yeah. Very little. Very little. The guy is whole high profile as him. When you think about it, over his career, the number of things that could have gone wrong because he does tend to be in the media primarily because he tends to date. Right. Like move, but but 
really, what trouble has he got into? I would say that that that's it, though, Coach. He's wow. always in the celebrity spotlight. All right. I mean, that's not necessarily, you can't put that as trouble necessarily, but no. what Alex Rodriguez has got himself into with this poker game and him dating celebrities. You, you heard about the poker game, didn't uh, you? Barely. They, there's he, speculation that he was involved in a poker game in California sometime. God knows what's when. wrong with a poker game? A legal poker game where cocaine was used. Cocaine? Yeah. Oh, he didn't add that part. Didn't add that part. But he, he's, I don't think there's ever been drug allegations with uh, with the Derek Jeter. And the fact that he has wined and dined among the Hollywood elite even adds to his, it's amazing that there hasn't been, you know, he, he's out there. He's right there for you, and they haven't really caught him doing anything particularly bad. I would say let's wait on that for a little bit. Okay. All right. And Jim Tomei is just, he, he's the opposite, Derek Jeter. Just yeah. good old home country boy out of Peoria. I loved him when he was on Philadelphia. I even loved him when he was on the White Sox. 888-463-6748, the phone number, White Sox and Cubs win. Uh, not a lot of other games yesterday. I know the San Francisco Giants knocked off the Atlanta Braves, got a race going there. The Rangers and Angels were late. I don't know if you caught that score, Sam. I know the uh, Angels were leading in that particular game. I don't know if they actually won the game, but that's a great race going on between those two teams. So uh, as August starts to head towards the beginning of September, we are under the stretch run outside of your beloved Cub. You watching any other races with particular interest? Coach, I would say the Diamondbacks are playing great baseball right Ooh. now. Diamondback Upton, I would say, can make a strong MVP case this year. Pitching-wise, you got obviously Philadelphia can't be overlooked. Milwaukee, I think they're going to go on and win the Central. Uh, I, I believe they're going to face off with the Philadelphia Phillies in the NL, NL Championship. Okay. A lot of people think the uh, wild-card team, the Atlanta Braves, could be the team to challenge uh, Philadelphia. But the team you mentioned, Arizona, man, talk about a ball club that's flown under the radar. Yeah. And they uh, they lost to Philadelphia yesterday. I know that broke a seven-game losing streak, but uh, I, I don't know that I could tell you more than four or five players in the team. I can't for sure, Coach. But Yeah. But they lose to Philadelphia yesterday. It broke the seven-game streak, nine to two. Cliff Lee, I think, pitching for Philadelphia. Philadelphia just – I mean, anything can happen in a seven-game series, but, Sam, they, they look like a, uh, awfully tough to beat. There are some great p- pitching matchups going on tonight around the MLB. you got CeCe Sabathia playing – Roy Halladay's pitching Jared Weaver. Can you wait? Sabathia's going against Halladay? No, no. Oh. I'm saying around the league, those are the guys that we have to keep an eye on tonight. Mm-hmm. Who would you put right now as your AL MVP, AL Cy Young Award winner? Excuse me. Well, we talked about this yesterday. What Joel said it was a no. Sabathia and Jared Weaver were your runner-ups, but the leader right now was why is his name escaping? I would say Verlander. Yeah, Justin Verlander. That actually came up yesterday because Verlander won his 18th game. So you'd agree with the big dog? I would agree. He's your lead candidate. Sabathi and Jared Weaver probably the contenders there. Mm-hmm. Uh, NL, I would say Roy Halladay takes it. <sighs> Clayton Kershaw. Yeah. I mean, guys that have been in the spotlight for quite a few years now. Mm-hmm. Halladay's just amazing. He is. Uh, uh, Jars Jurgens, the guy from Jair Atlanta. Jurgens, yeah. Yeah. I would say, um, I don't know if you watched SportsCenter this morning or recently, but Jamie Moyer, yep. the former pitcher of the Phillies, is now an ESPN baseball analyst there. And he said that he's a little bit biased, but he would also take Roy Halladay just because of his work ethic and what he brings into the locker room Man, as well. The guy's amazing. Just consistent, just a total workout. Every time he goes out, seven innings, eight innings, nine innings, eight strikeout, one walk, nine strikeouts, two walks, he makes it look easy. 
You you watch him pitch, you say, well, why can't all the other guys be like him? He's not like he's got dominating stuff. I mean, he's, he's got the ethic, I, th- I think. Yeah, he's got, you know, command. And year, years and, of experience as well, back, mm-hmm. back to his days in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, he toiled out in, what, Toronto for many, many years? Yeah. Now he, flew, he flew way under the radar in Toronto until yeah. the last maybe two or three seasons that he yeah. was there. And then. He's not under the radar anymore. Babitsky in the house with the coach. And uh, Babitsky, you got school starting next week. We'll get to football in just a second. But let's talk about the, the end of the summer, the beginning of academia, your senior year, right? Yes, sir. So, um, senioritis, I know that tends to hit like in March or April. Hopefully you have not been hit by senioritis. I think I hit it sometime last week, Coach. You did? I believe so. So it's going to be tough, a little tough to motivate for senior year? I mean, I'll have have my motivation, you know, to get Mm -hmm. into school and things like that. All right. Anybody that's got suggestions for where Sam should go to school, uh, possible academic institutions of further learning, 888-463-6700. Four eight again triple eight four six three six seven four eight. Someone emailed in this morning and said you should go to William and Mary, mostly Mary. William and Mary, mostly Mary. That's the school they suggested for you. I, that should probably one of your friends writing in for that. But is there a lead? Is there a? I know you've talked to well, you know Harvard and Yale and Dartmouth, but you're probably not going to go to one of those schools. I would say no, coach. Okay, it's a nice to too, talk. A little to too them. far for me though. Yeah. By the way, our definition of talk is Sam would call up and then they would basically hang up on you. But at least you had a little conversation. You looked at those schools. I asked them what their admission hours are. <laughs> See if I can come by for a visit. They said it's not worth it. Yeah, what the heck? You know, a little visit can't hurt. At least you could say, ah, I looked. I looked at Harvard. I looked at Yale. Looked at Dartmouth. It sounds impressive on the resume. You know, no chance of hell of getting in. But at least you looked at them. What is your? Um, is the? Is there a school you really, really want to? A, a must-see, a must-do school if you get in. I, I'm in love with the University of Missouri, Coach. I know you visited there yourself, but excellent, excellent. Kansas. Hard to do actually work. Hard to do actual work there. I don't know if you saw the new rec center there. Oof. I think yes. it's got a whirlpool, a lap pool, 15 basketball courts, four different exercise rooms. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard to concentrate there, but I'm I like the school a lot. Mm-hmm. Excellent journalism school too, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, Missouri University in uh, Columbia, beautiful, beautiful campus. So that's. Prime school, now you're going to do an early application, you're going to wait to the end, you get your essay written, all that good stuff. I don't have my essay written, but on that note, Coach, I would love you to write me a letter of recommendation. Absolutely. Want me to do it on air? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I will absolutely be. I don't think, I don't think I've, I've written letters of rec before, but never for college uh, applications. Do you, summer do, you camp? Get, do you get to read what I say? I do get to read what uh, you say. Darn, I take some of the fun out of it. Got to scratch off topics number one, topics two, and topics three. Uh, all right, so senioritis is hitting. I know one of the highlights of senioritis is you're able to go out for lunch and not eat in the school cafeteria. Any uh, overall the uh, cafeteria food at a Glenbrook South High School? If you had to give it a grade, I would say not bad. I would say B, too bad. solid B. Yeah, that's one thing I've noticed, David Olson, since we went to school. High school and college. Just going around with my son visiting the colleges. The food, the level of um, and quality of food on campuses has significantly improved. I don't remember, like, fast food restaurants in the middle of campus. But a lot of these campuses have a Subway, McDonald's right there. What do you mean when we went to school? <laughs> I'm probably I, – I don't know. I'm, like, right in between the two okay. of you. Okay. So Sorry about that. I did, uh, yeah, there was fast food and everything when I was in school. They're on campus. Uh, oh, yeah. Not like yeah. in the college town, but part of the campus. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so you're not willing to join my generation, or you're uh, separating no, you'd yourself. No, you have to pull from... me in there, kicking and screaming, coach. 
And, but even the cafeterias on campus, like Missouri, when we went yeah. there, unbelievable. The selections they had. I can promise you kids, that coach, that no college kids are starving. That no what? No college students are starving at any no. of those schools. No, but I mean, well, we didn't starve either. We could eat, but it was just the quality of food and the limited selections. I mean, I remember there was usually like one piece of meat, and it was, you know, like it might have been steak on Monday, and then, you know, you know how the story goes, chop sirloin Tuesday, and it works its way down to like beef stew <laughs> on Friday. I'm probably exaggerating it, but I mean, I was amazed, not just in Missouri, the different schools, how, how uh, advanced their cafeterias are. And the food, so it's almost like a selling point, a recruiting point mm-hmm. to the college kids. I know in Missouri, when I visited there, they they give us a complimentary lunch. Yeah. You got that too, I'm sure. But give you a little coupon. We visited that... a bunch, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I, yeah, I had like, yeah, in Missouri, I think, mm-hmm. if I'm getting it right, absolutely. And they had, here's an example. I went to the uh, student center for the food court. Or whatever. Mm-hmm. I had stir fry. Stir fry for and it was good. Stir fry. Back in my day, they they would have looked at you like, "Are you kidding me?" Slap yeah. a little rice on you, throw yeah. some gravy over, and there's your here's your stir fry. So, Coach, yeah, where did you go to school? Post learning education. Uh, I can't remember. No, uh, Tulane University, home of the Green Wave for two years, then uh, University of Illinois for two years. Yeah, proud member of the University of Illinois Transfer Student Association. <laughs> Boy, you want to talk about? I was part of it, so I think I can I can safely say this. But you want to talk about a club for losers? <laughs> man, oh man, there were some people <clears throat> off the beaten track as part of the Transfer Student Association. But you know, I transferred in, didn't know anybody, so I had to join that club. And I still keep in touch with any of you? Uh, no, but thanks for asking. Just checking. <laughs> I try, quite frankly, I try to keep as far away from as many of those people as possible in that particular club. And I say that only in the most lovingness of way. By the way, on the food category, David, I don't know if you saw this or not. And Sam, did you see that Kraft is coming out? With the triple, I think they're calling it the triple double stuff, Oreo cookie. It is the triple double stuff, yeah. Because wow. the Oreo cookie, I mean, that's one of the great traditions in in cookie land. And of course, what was it? The double stuff? They went double stuffed about ten years ago. No, no, no. They had double stuff when I was a kid. Really? Yeah. So it's been it's been around at least thirty years. You're a lot younger. Least. You're a lot younger than I keep thinking. You know, I think it's doing the show with me has aged you. <laughs> I keep forgetting you're a young man. Me and Big Dog are the same age. Well, see, Big Dog has aged a lot too, so that's not a good comparison. Yeah. But yeah, but so, no, we're the same age. Okay. See, I was never a big fan of the double. But were you aware they've coming out with the triple? I was not aware, Coach. No. The triple stack. Yeah, triple stack. You got you got the regular Oreo, <laughs> the regular filling, yep. and you got the vanilla Oreo. Yep. The chocolate oh, filling. A little vanilla in the yeah. In then, then the chocolate filling, and then the chocolate wafer on the bottom. I like it. I like it. Now, let me ask you this. Do, have they ever made, I know they went double stuffed. Have they ever made the Oreo cookie with no cream in the middle? Just the cookie. They did. They, they, uh, they were called Oreo Dunkers. That's what I want. Yeah. Because I, I can't. You know, I, don't know if, I don't know if they're still around, but uh, it was. It wasn't just the cookie. They they elongated it oh, a little bit. Yeah, that's good. Because I, 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 I get rid of the, the filling. I can't stand the filling anymore. That processed so, yeah, I, hydrogenated Trans fat crap. I cannot confirm if they're still around, but at one point they did have them, mm-hmm. like recently within the last few years. But just the cookie part. Oh man, that's that's good stuff. Good stuff. I can tell you're not an Oreo. What what, what cookie floats your boat? But I, I don't keep it clean. We are a family sports show. I don't I don't stick to sweets too much. I do like an occasional Baker Square pie. Oh, Ooh. the Baker Square banana cream. I haven't had that oh. for a long time. 
I know where I'm going after the show. I won. I forget what it was. I won some little prize where I got not just a free piece of pie, but a free pie. And waited a long time to cash it and finally stopped at a Baker Square, took home a uh, banana cream pie. And are you a banana cream? I am. Yeah, that's awfully good. Awfully good. And what I did is uh, like 15 minutes before eating it, put it in the freezer. Oof. So, Chilled. Yeah. So got it just a little bit where it's colder than the uh, icebox. Coach, why do I feel your two sons ate that before you even got to it? No, no, no. I, I put the clamps over that. I think I finished it off. I might have given out a couple of bites, but it took me two days. I mean, I could eat one of those in one sitting. Those things are awesome. Those things are good. Yeah. Now, are you uh, the banana square? A lot of people seem to like the Baker's Square. Uh, what's that real rich one called? I'm a fan of the banana cream and the lemon supreme. The who? The lemon. The lemon? See, yeah. Not a big lemon meringue guy. There's one real rich Baker Square pie, which everybody seems to love, which I cannot stand. But at any rate, uh, suffice it to say, the food at college is pretty good, and Oreo cookies come out with a triple stuff, triple stack. I did not know it was the vanilla wafer in the middle. Awfully good. Awfully good. All right, back to sports. We get sidetracked on this show on occasion very easily. 888-463-6748. Dial it up, folks. Your chance to talk to the great Babitsky. You can ask him any questions, both in sports and out. And uh, make sure at the end of your question you ask him, in this case, what would Babitsky do? Let me ask you in the uh, switching topics to college football right now. If you had some of these allegations at the University of Miami, which you read about, you were the president of the institution. Football is a big part of the program. A lot of those players have since graduated. A lot of the coaches have left. As an administrator, sent, which is a scary thought, you being an administrator, what would Babitsky do? What are my options, Coach? Because to me, it seems like right now the allegations are made between 2000 and 2010, right? So fairly recent. Yeah. Uh, you look at the 21 team, the 2001 team, excuse me, that Miami Hurricanes had. I don't know if you saw the roster for that team, but they have – star-studded NFL players on that team. At running back, Willis McGahee, Frank Gore. At uh, safety, Darren Sharper. Guys that now have made a gigantic name for themselves in the NFL. But I mean, I think at this point, there's not much to do. You, The guy's in jail. Nevin Shapiro, I believe his name is. But um, I, think, I think this all relies on the NCAA, though. I think it's just one of many stories that are going to come out sooner than later mm-hmm. with you know illicit behavior involved. On this spot of collegiate athletes, boosters dishing out what hundred, couple hundred bucks, three hundred bucks, four hundred hours at a time. I don't know. It's um, I guess one question is how do you legislate it? You know, how do how do you stop that kind of stuff? Now, if it's fifteen thousand or twenty thousand, you know, then you're getting serious stuff. A hundred, couple of hundred bucks. I mean, one of the solutions is you do look the other way. But I guess one of the problems with that is if you look the other way at a hundred or two hundred, right. All of a sudden, it starts getting higher and higher. You hate to see that happen, but uh, I don't know. It's a tough, tough I think thing. I think people will be surprised to know that it does happen more than we think. All over the spectrum. Mm-hmm. I would even say starting with high school sports. Not as much, obviously, but starting with high school, going up to college, and especially in professional football. We might be breaking a story here on the Two Guys at a Mic show. Sam Babitsky, are you here to say on internationally acclaimed Two Guys at a Mic show that in your... Uh, Brief and semi-non-illustrious athletic career, were you ever offered any incentives? I was taken to the Glenview Dairy Bar <laughs> for hitting a double in sixth grade, Coach. 
But that's that's the end of it. That was it? That was it. Nothing more than that, huh? Like you said, short and not okay. as proclaimed. There was a rumor that the uh, – because the rumor was that you were thinking of trying out for freshman basketball and that the basketball coaching staff, as an incentive, actually was offering to either hire your grade or pay you a little bit of money not to come out for the team. There's no truth to that rumor? Not the ex- incentives we were thinking about? But... Not exactly, no. No. <laughs> Uh-oh. I think I did everybody a favor by not okay. trying out for the freshman right. basketball so team. Sixth grade dairy bar was about as long as it went. That huh? was about it. Okay. All right. But that's an interesting philosophy. You think it happened? You're probably right. Well, it does. You're talking not necessarily at, at some of the regular local public schools, but some of those powerhouse basketball programs. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Guys were, you know, switching teams from one school to another. You know, I actually, on the topic of that, High school, going down to high school sports, I don't know. You know Maine South High School and their football program yep. that's been outstanding. They got the quarterback, Matt Albedi, won a state championship as a sophomore. Mm-hmm. Why does it seem to me that all the star players in Illinois end up going to Maine South? <laughs> I've heard rumors that there's been recruitment, and that's a public high school. Yeah. You can't do that. Yeah. Jealousy is an ugly thing. Very so ugly It's thing. not jealousy. It's, it can't be a coincidence. Yeah. Well, here, here's what it is. First of all, Maine South isn't recruiting players or paying players. I wouldn't say paying. I would say recruiting for the most part because they yeah. have Maine East, Maine West. Well, when you when you have a powerhouse athletic program in a particular sport, now in their school district, kids can apply to go to one of the other schools if there's not a certain academic program that's to their liking. So absolutely – in that particular school district, and I'm sure it happens in other areas too, where you have open boundaries, mm-hmm. that stuff happens. If you've got a kid who is really into football and the program at your public school is not so good and the adjoining public school is really, really good and there's the ability to do that, well, yeah, yeah, my kid's interested in this particular program, academic program. It's not offered at this school. We're going to apply over here. And they use that as an out to get it. That goes on for sure. The other thing that happens when you got a powerhouse program, and again, this could apply in any sport, tennis, across country, a volleyball, wherever you're good at, when, well, you get two things. One, when parents move in mm-hmm. for job prospects from another state, if your kid's into sports and he's really good, they'll check around, right? Right. You'll investigate, and if, you know, hey, it's a really good volleyball program in there, you got a powerhouse program, you know, once a year, once every couple of years, you'll get a move in. That's real good. And then you get the type A wacko parents that live in another area, and they want their kid. They mm-hmm. think their kid's going to be a star to be part of this powerhouse program. So they'll move to that community just right. so their kid can play there. So it, it's a little bit of the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. I just think it's unfortunate, Coach, them playing in the IHSA, especially in the Central Suburban League uh, with teams like you know, Glenbrook South and Deerfield, things like that. But I mean, Maine South has been a powerhouse as far as I can remember. Mm-hmm. Well, what's unfair about it? I mean, it, I think it's unfair about it that, for example, we have Glenbrook North as well. I think if you combine the teams of Glenbrook South and Glenbrook North, you get a very good football team. Yeah, but team. they're not combining with Maine East and Maine West. I mean, I would say that kids who You're go to Maine... talking about the district crossover? Yeah. Well, Deerfield and Highland Park have the same thing. I would say kids who go to Maine East, Maine West... Yeah. Maine South is a good, solid football player in them. They will try to lure them over into the main South area. Well, I don't know, but or the parents. Or the parents at least do the luring themselves. But my point is that happens at Deerfield and Highland Park have the same situation. They're part of the same school district, and I'm pretty sure if a kid, you know, there's some kind of conflict. In fact, I won't go into it. But way back when I coached at one of those schools, and experienced on the negative side losing a kid 
for that particular and, and you know Deerfield's not 10 and 0 every year so yeah uh, I'd put a little bit into that but to say it's unfair that they're even part of the CSL I think it, personally I think that's building up the problem too much I wouldn't say it's unfair that they're in the CSL I would say it's unfortunate that no one can defeat them primarily because of the fact that it seems like every single year they have some kind of player who can come out and win a state championship single-handedly. That, for the next two years, will be Matt Elvedi as quarterback. Yeah, but primarily because of the fact they got an unbelievable youth program starting out in second grade, and by the time they get to sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, kids are winning national championships. they got a great program, great coaching staff. They come in as freshmen, 8-0, 9-1 sophomores, 8-0, 9-1 seniors graduate, another winning class takes over. So you got to give them credit. They put together a great – they get a few move-ins, a few transfers. But it's, a, it's a beautifully meticulous, well-run program. How much longer do you think could last? All good things come to an end. That's one thing I've seen. I've seen high school programs as, as down low as you can get, bottom of the barrel. Again, folks listening, talk a little high school sports here. You want to chime in on the conversation? The great Papitsky and the coach with you up until 11 o'clock. Feel free to do so. 888-463-6748, 888-463-6748. Sam, I've been around long enough. Things do change. So at some point, they will drop in some of the worst teams that you'll ever see. Some of those worst programs can get good in a hurry sometimes. You get the right coaching staff, the right group to come through. So over the course of time, I know for programs that have been losing for a long time, it's hard to imagine, but, yeah, things do change. I would hope so. I would hope that Maine South is not going to be a fear to play for every team in its schedule in the next upcoming years. No, no. Ten years down the road, it'll change. It'll change. All right, let's uh, speak of the football. Let's uh, get to the National Football League, your Chicago Bears, the team that you root for so nearly and dearly. Mr. Babitsky, uh, exhibition game number two. I think it's a Monday night game, right? It is a Monday night at, Against, at the New Meadowlands. At the Meadowlands. What are you looking for? I know you watched game one. You've analyzed it. you got all your notes here. Where? I must be missing your notes. They're all in the head, right? I've memorized. I've stayed up all night, it's Coach. Great preparation for the show. I'm glad you're concerned. Uh, once again, Dave, now I'm finding out why we haven't invited him back for a year. Just kidding. Just kidding. What are your, uh, some of your things you're looking for for the Bears? In game One thing that I saw is on the quarterback depth chart, obviously you have Jay Collar one, but the 2-3, Caleb Haney, Caleb Haney has fallen back to the number three spot, and the number two spot has been taken over by Nathan Enderley of I'm not Idaho. so sure about that. You're not, you're, you're not sold by that? No, no, I'm not so sure that's that's correct information. I know there was one I mean, day when they gave Enderley second stamp, but I think... I mean, I mean, recently he's been taking snaps with the second team. For a day. Maybe. Well, how do you feel about it? The rookie, Nathan Enderley, I know you studied his career at uh, Idaho. Idaho. Long-time Idaho football fan. You broke down some of the tapes, Sam. You compare him with uh, Caleb Haney. You got any preference there? I like Nathan Enderley. I like his mobility in the pocket. I like. I He's not going to lead this team, obviously. I would never, ever, ever consider putting him at the number one sport quarterback of any team. But Nathan, I like him at the two. I like him getting snaps right now with the second team. I'd like to see him play more in the preseason. We'll see how that happens. Obviously, we're just going into the second game here. But after the fourth, okay. like, I'll be able to make a decision uh, on that. But, but if you're promoting him as the backup quarterback and you said, I don't want to see him lead the team, let me remind you that every backup quarterback in the National Football League is one play away from, quote-unquote, leading your team. And the backup, if you look at the stats... Rare does a starter last all 16 games. So I've always said when you analyze teams in the preseason and people are making their predictions, the most underrated position is the backup quarterback. In all likelihood, he's going to play, and it's one of the most important positions in all of sports. So 
Nathan Enderley could be your guy. He could be. I mean, you can't have big expectations of the rookie going in and playing on a team like the Chicago Bears, but mm-hmm. regardless of the case, I think Caleb Haney has had time to prove himself. Yeah, I think, with, well, hasn't he proven himself? He's come in, done pretty well. He's done okay. He's done satisfactory, decent. I'll take that back to the Green Bay Packers championship game last mm-hmm. year. Okay, nothing to be uh, okay. I, I'd go a little bit better than okay. In a tough situation. In a tough be. situation, I would say, playing in that kind of cold against the Green Bay Packers in that kind of heated situation, I would say he mm-hmm. did well for that situation. But we saw him earlier in the regular season, too. Mm-hmm. Well, he had a bad first exhibition game. He was the first to admit that. So it'll be, uh, I'm sure both those guys will get plenty of playing time. But be interesting to watch. Jake Cutler, of course, the starting quarterback for the Bears. Offensive line, not very good. But, Bitsk, I know you're a guy who uh, lives in the trenches. You like watching the line play. What are you looking for from our offensive and defensive line? I'm looking at Gabe Karimi, coach, and first-round draft pick. Um, Wisconsin grown boy. Uh, I think he's got a lot of potential. Now, whether or not he shows that potential is up to is up to him, obviously. Member of the Jewish Brethren, by the way. I will agree with that. He brings he's going to host the Friday night Shabbat. Mm-hmm. Yep. From what I hear, when he goes out on the town like at night and different social things, he'll wear T-shirts that either make fun of or you know. He's enjoying that aspect that he's yeah. that he's Jewish and a National Football League player. He's not trying to hide right. out of the yarmulke. <laughs> His head's a little bit too big for that coach, but yeah, that is that would be one um, giant yarmulke to fit Dave Carini. <laughs> but uh, so you're going to be watching him. At the I'm going right to be watching spot. him at right tackle. I think Mike Tice has come out earlier this week and said the offensive line has played. Yeah, he's impressed with what they've done this week in training camp. Obviously, you look at what happened in the first preseason game. Bears quarterbacks were sacked what six times? Nine. Nine times. Yeah, Mike Mart said only three were the fault of the offensive line. And the other six? <laughs> he didn't specify. <laughs> <laughs> he um, did. He came out and said, "We analyzed the tape. Only three were the fault of the offensive line." Coach, the biggest, the biggest loss that the Bears team has suffered this year is not resigning Olin Krutz, because now you have Roberto Garza taking snaps at center, backing him up is Chris Spencer from the Seattle Seahawks. But Roberto Garza, I haven't been impressed with what he's done lately. Too many stupid penalties. I would say he's good on the blocking aspect, but he's not. He doesn't have the leadership qualities that Olin Krutz has because Olin Krutz is on this team for. 11, 12 years, I think. Mm-hmm. You don't think it was a time for a change, maybe, that the, some of the young players might thrive? I would say not as bad as this offensive line has been. Okay. Owen Cruz, I think, signed with New Orleans right now, and we'll see what happens, obviously, but mm-hmm. his leadership is what is is basically what carried this team in the 06 season. Mm-hmm. If you ask any Bears player, they would say that whose locker room was it, they would either say Brian Erlacher or Olin Cruz. Yep. Now, now, keep in mind, the Bears didn't get rid of Olin Krutz. They did offer Olin Krutz $4 million to play football for this year. So, just to clarify, it's not like they well, totally right. didn't but, I mean, want him. I, I feel like they they could have made a stronger push on him. They I would offer him more money than that. I, I would have offered him $2 million. Why? $2 million? Well, I mean, $2 million, For Olin Krutz? Right, I'm talking about in the sports world, $2 million doesn't well, seem like that much. Yeah, but. it's pretty much to me. I, I just always hesitate to say, well, you know, the Bears got rid of him. Yes, they could have upped their price, but, uh, you know, they did offer him a pretty decent salary to come back. So it wasn't like they gave him no options at all. But you think they're going to they're, they're gonna miss him? I think they will. Okay. I, will I, I won't say that he will be missed too much as far as, you know, the actual game itself. But about a, but if the voice in the, lo- in the locker room, he's, he will be missed. Uh, also with that goes Greg Olson, 
who spent three years with the Bears. Four, mm-hmm. four years or three years? I think four. Four years. He's now with Carolina. Carolina. He will be missed as well. Our starting tight end is uh, Kellen Davis. Mm-hmm. I've been impressed with what he's done. He had a big touchdown uh, in the playoffs last year, I remember. But uh, Greg Olson also was a big voice on this team. He did a lot of charity work around Chicago as well. He'll be missed as well, but... Mm-hmm. Brian Urlacher, I think he's on his way down progressively. I don't think he has too many seasons left. What would you say, three or four more seasons? At most. At most. At most. That's pressing. So I would say now is the time for him to really step up. He had those back problems last year, two years ago. Um, as far as his leadership is concerned, he's mm-hmm. this, is, this is the year we're going to have to see him take over the missing vacant positions of Olin Cruz. By the way, if you were putting together the greatest body parts of all the football players, and putting together your most superb player of all time, the Brian Urlacher neck. If you're going neck, it might you might have. I can't think of a better football neck than Urlacher's. I don't particularly look at his neck. I look at his play on the field. Wow. But I mean, everybody watches but the game you, differently. I you guess. need to, the more you age, Sam. These are the things you pick up on as a football expert like myself. You got to pay attention to the Brian Urlacher neck. It's quite impressive. Quite impressive. <laughs> Uh, all right, so and it's kind of weird. Monday Night Football, it's a little odd, but it is exhibition game number two, and I guess they throw Monday Night Football at us, so the Bears will be under the spotlight a little bit. You do remember last time they played the New York Giants in a regular season football game last year, Sam, one of the scariest sights we've ever saw. Uh, oh, yeah. Jay Cutler literally running for his life, but I don't know. That's a year ago. I'm not sure what significance that has now. I think the significance is that Osio Minora set out a lot of training camp. He came back right now. The stalemate is over. He kind of caved in, some people would say. Right. But. So he came back just in time to terrorize the right. Bears. I'm, I'm sure Jamarcus Webb is thrilled <laughs> that that contract got solved. I mean, um, I, don't, I don't think it's not. Is it solved already, or did he just kind of cut his losses and start practicing? You know, I'm not sure. I wouldn't say it's I'm solved sure. yet. But he's back with the program. He is back with the program, and he's practicing full contact now. But mm-hmm. uh, By the I, way, if you're uh, – go ahead. No, I don't know if you saw the story or not, but during the first preseason game against Buffalo – uh, I saw this on Yahoo Sports, actually. Lovey Smith went against the new kickoff rule. I don't know if you heard yeah. this. Time. They're supposed to line up on the 30 now? Yeah. He lined, no, 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 on the 35. He lined up on the 30 right. because he wanted to see how his coverage would do. Mm-hmm. I guess I would say so that the Bears were one of the teams that voted against the new rule, but how do you feel about it? Well, first of all, I like the fact the Bears were thinking about that. I uh, See, that's, that's think-outside-the-box mentality. That's solid. Dave Taub. Yeah. They're a special teams coach, very, very good. Brad Maynard, by the way, did not have such great things to say about Dave Taub. Got a little controversy, apparently. I like Brad Maynard. I oh, really do. Oh, Maynard was a class act, no doubt about it, but apparently they had a little difference of opinion mm-hmm. on strategy for punting last year. But for the most part, we've heard great things about Dave Taub. And, uh, yeah, the rule is 35-yard line. We said, you know what, let's kick from the 30. Yeah. So we can, as you said, you know, you can do See practice runs all the time, right. evaluate it against live teams, I thought that was a good strategy. The NFL then outruled, outlawed it, right? Right. They said that's against the rule, but I like the fact the Bears tried it. Now, the negative side of that is you get injuries. Right. And you don't want injuries in the regular uh, in the uh, exhibition season, let alone regular season. I mean, we saw... Corey Wooten got hurt. Right. And then we saw Eric LeGrand on uh, Rutgers. Eric Remember? who? Eric LeGrand, Rutgers, the one who got paralyzed last year in college football. Okay, I'm forgetting that play. But that was on special teams. That was on special Yeah, it was on the same exact play. Eric, you, you, you've heard of it, I'm sure. Rutgers player. Yes. One hit, and he's yeah. been paralyzed ever since. But, mm-hmm. um, I mean, obviously injuries are a part of the game. There's no avoiding it. I think 
with them lining up on the 35-yard line, it's going to lose a lot of the firepower that we saw from guys like Devin Hester and Johnny Knox. Uh, more touchbacks than we've ever seen before, and we saw that in the first preseason game. I'm not a fan of it as a fan, but I'm saying as a player, I wouldn't mind it as much because of the injuries, obviously. Well, I, I, I want the kickoff return and the punt return uh, in football. I think it's one of the most exciting plays. So I would say if you're going to change rules, this is just me, don't move the yard line up so we have more touchbacks, but somehow make rules to limit the vicious contact and the injuries on the special but teams. But is there any way of actually limiting that? Yeah, well, they did one, I think, that they limited the the amount of uh, that they can run up to five yards. So mm-hmm. you can't get like a 10-yard head start. Okay. So there's a good example where the guys can pick up steam, but maybe not quite as fast as they were before. I'd have to think about it a little bit. Give me time. I think I could come up with a couple. That'd be the way I'd want to go, though, is I want to see kickoff returns. I think it's one of the most exciting plays in football. If we're worried about injuries, probably should be on plays like those because that's where a lot of the series will. Let's see if we can adopt some rules on special teams that maybe limit some of the cutbacks, the vicious hits, the blindside stuff. Do you think that they're going to keep this rule all season longer? Do you think some, somewhere, somehow, it's going to get reversed? No, they'll, they'll keep it all season. Okay. They'll keep it all season. We'll see how many teams, uh, you know, how many kickers can actually pound it out of bounds, especially as the weather gets cold. It'll be tougher and tougher. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Talk a little NFL football with Bitsky and the coach. A uh, couple of minutes left, Sam. we got to get you back. It cannot be a year until the next time we get you back. We have to have you back in studio. And again, uh, you will be appearing starting in a couple Saturdays? I would say starting sometime in mid-September, okay. yeah. And give us the uh, time and the station and also uh, – the website where people can hear your award-winning archives. 11 o'clock WGBK Radio. <laughs> it's going to be at 88.5 FM. 88. Not sure exactly how far that can go. Okay. I've heard it reach the Wisconsin border at times. At times I've heard it knock it out of the GBS parking lot. <laughs> at the same time, though, Not that's good what, when your radio station right. doesn't extend beyond the school's parking right. lot. But uh, <laughs> thank God for the Internet. We do have GBSRadio.com. GBSRadio.com. Catch all the shows there. You can hear it live, or if you can't catch it live, get it on tape. Yep. And I know one of your partners, very, very good, an up-and-comer in the sporting world and the uh, announcing world, Ben Wittenstein. Yep, absolutely. Wittenstein uh, or Wittenstein? I've heard Stein and Steen. I say Steen. Okay. I've heard him called a few other things. Let's just stick with Wittenstein. <laughs> uh, does a great job. and then Me uh, and him will be taking over the oh. uh, football play-by-play roles in oh. the basketball. Oh, you're going to be doing football play-by-play? Cool. So um, basketball as well. Are you going to do color or play-by-play? I'm going to do play-by-play. He's usually the color guy. Mm-hmm. So Very we're nice. excited for that. Um, I'm excited to get the show back started. Very nice. Well, we wish you the best of luck and uh, up-and-coming career. We're happy to help you out here, give you a little bit of experience. Just remember when you do hit the big time. I always remember what you've taught me, Coach. Thank you. I didn't say if. I said when you hit the big time. Try All to right. remember the little people along the way. You know, it's... Remember your old coach? I might be like an assisted living by the time you make it big, but, uh, you know, any kind of nice gestures would be fully appreciated. Will do, Coach. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Uh, David Olson, great show today. we still got a minute left, Sammy. If you want to wrap it up, Cubs uh, got a day off. St. Louis Cardinals coming into town. Paint a picture real quick. Your favorite team. Let's go back to the Chicago Cubs. What happens the remainder of the season? Can they continue on the uh, little bit of a win streak they've been on? I would hope so. Honestly, I can't see it happening too much. I'm curious to see what was going to happen with the Zambrano situation, whether or not he's going to come back in actually 30 days or not. I think he's pitched his last game as a Cub. I went out on a limb and said that he's going to join Ozzie Guillen in Florida next season. Really? Yeah. In Florida? Mm-hmm. So Ozzie's leaving the White Sox? I would say so, yeah. 
it's a pretty strong limb you're venturing out onto. I've heard other people say, and I'm going to jump on the bandwagon, that Zambrano and Ozzy have a tremendous relationship. All right. And I've seen Florida go after both guys. Well, I'm Florida on... playing in the new stadium next year, which I'm also excited really? about. Yep. Okay. Well, they better start winning some games. They, they showed Florida, boy, for a while they looked like they were coming back, and they've been miserable. Just miserable the last five weeks. But uh, I'm on record with the exact opposite, Sam. I want Carlos Zambrano back in the lineup. I'm a big Z fan. Warts and all when the Cubs win the World Series in 2013. Next year we make the quantum leap. In two years the Cubs will win the World Series. You heard it here first. I want to see Carlos Zambrano's large cranium bouncing up and down on the pitcher's mound, part of that celebration. He's been a long-time Cub. I'd love to see him do it. And, uh, again, World Series 2013, I want to see Big Z part of it. I would like to, Coach. I hope, I hope you're right. Yeah. Him and do some research on DJ Lemayo. Well, he's going to be a star, too. Will do. Thank you. Okay. All right. Babette's great job. David Olson, our producer, phenomenal. Big Dog will be back tomorrow. We'll do a Friday show. Don't forget, coming up in a week or so, we start doing our football prediction and preview shows. Thank you, everybody out there, for listening. Tomorrow at 10 o'clock, don't be late. WWSBC, the radio show. TalkZone.com. Two guys at a mic signing off. Have a great day, everybody.